Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Friday, December 6, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Unfortunately, it is with great sadness that I must say that Matt Sheehan, my co-host, will not be in with us today for the full episode. Uh, Matt, yeah, that sound you hear is just everyone turning off their dials, and I don't blame you. Matt's the star of the show. Uh, Matt <laughs> is, believe it or not, and this is sort of, it's true. I mean, it's, it's true. Matt is um, at a ceremony where he potentially could be getting an award for his tweets. That's, I'm not going to elaborate further than that. Maybe he will. Um, he won't today. Maybe we can ask him about it Monday. Um, but that's where Matt is. Matt is at an award ceremony where he potentially could be getting recognition, positive recognition for tweets. Um, <laughs> so we're going to miss him today, but he did uh, join us, join us, join me earlier. We, we were able to squeeze in like 10 minutes earlier today before I sat down to record the whole show. Uh, and we got one segment together. That'll be segment three today. We just kind of uh, talk about what we want to see from Michigan State against Rutgers. Uh, so that'll be segment three. Uh, and he makes a desperate plea to the quick lanes pull. <laughs> quick lane bull, not quick lanes. The quick lane bull. So that's segment three. Uh, segments one and two, I'll be flying solo. Uh, just going to be a big mailbag. Got uh, a handful of questions here sent to me. Uh, that I solicited on Twitter. Um, and again, if you ever want to send in a question at will underscore underscore hunter, one L two underscores, or at Sheehan underscore sports, just say, hey, for the pod, what about XYZ? Like, you know, just throw it that way. Or you can email lockedonspartans at gmail.com. So, you know, the, the mailbox, so to speak, is always open. And I always try to remember when people send me those and try to work them into uh, future episodes. So uh, put out the request, put out the bat signal. You guys came through with a a handful of questions here. So that's what we're going to do. Segments one and two, we'll talk about, um, you know, next season, players to be on the lookout for, potential of a transfer QB, stuff like that. So that's what we'll do for segments one and two. And then Matt will join for segment three, talking about Michigan State and Rutgers this Sunday. So let's uh, let's get into it. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. And you can find Locked On Spartans wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so question one comes from an email. Ben Connolly. Ben, thanks for the question. Uh, he says, you know, you say there needs to be changes on the offensive side of the ball uh, in order to have a better team next year. Does the same go for the defensive side of the ball? Well, uh, a lot of the talk, I think, has been around staff. And Ben doesn't really specify here. So, um, you know, I'll go into staff a little bit and sort of just schematics uh, a little bit of things I'd like to see tweaked on the defensive side. I, I think, you know, Michigan State still has a good foundation, a good starting point of how to stop a modern college offense. And I know uh, at times this season it felt like they underperformed, but they ended up, you know, with number 11 or 12 in SP plus advanced metrics, uh, quite liked Michigan State's defense. And if you go back and look at what they did against Penn State, what they did against Ohio State, 
uh, and some other teams, you know, it, it kind of compares favorably <laughs> to what those teams did to, to other teams. Um, holding Ohio State to 34 points um, isn't that bad compared to what the Buckeyes did to a lot of teams. So I think the defense is better than we gave them credit for, uh, and things schematically there are still fine. I, I don't think major changes are necessary uh, from coaching. Uh, if they don't change anything, that's probably fine too. I do think defensive back play has fallen off a little bit, and I don't know if that's a coaching thing, a talent thing, but it, you know, Trey Waynes, Darquez Denard, even Josiah Scott weren't really highly recruited guys, and not even you know the, the guys they have now, the young guys they have in there now are, are better recruits, were better recruits in terms of stars and rating than any of the guys that have really panned out for Michigan State at corner, especially. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think there's definitely room for improvement there, whether that's coaching or what, you know, maybe D'Antonio gets more involved in the defensive backs because that's kind of how he cut his teeth. Who knows? Um, I've been asked about Harlan Barnett potentially returning. Uh, maybe I, I, it's tough. Um, he's someone who I still think can get a coordinator job, a decent coordinator job somewhere else if he wants to come back and be secondary coach slash co-defensive coordinator. I'm not sure how that would all work out. If they could make it work, great. You know, Harlan uh, always seemed to do a good job and was well-regarded here. He took a, a chance bet on himself, went to FSU, and unfortunately, you know, I don't think it was totally his fault. The defense uh, at Florida State wasn't up to par, but there were a lot of issues in Tallahassee beyond just <laughs> the defensive coordinator. Uh, we know that. So that could be something where you could see a fix there next year. I'd like to see them, I don't know, start to try and work on some different ways um, to counter what teams have, you know, the blueprints kind of out uh, in some ways and how to beat this, this defense in terms of attacking the flats and, and taking deep shots. So I would like to see some tweaks there in that side of the ball. Um, it's not nearly the project that the other side of the ball is. And if they stay, they stood pat, I, I think you would ultimately end up with another solid defense. Once guys, you know, you're losing a lot of, of seniors there, so it might be a, a tough year regardless. Um, but I think the the track record is there. The consistency is there that, It'll be okay on that side of the ball, although if there was some changes to the secondary, you know, I'm not going to go uh, against that. All right, next question here. Let's see. Um, let's go with this one. Uh, it's from MSU at NC Spartan one on Twitter. Why is this happening to us, Will? We're not bad people. I agree. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why it's happening. Uh, Marcus Big Hammer Jr. What a name. Should Xavier Tillman play tight end for the team next year? Are they better off running the Wildcat offense 100% rather than using an internal quarterback option? I don't know. I, I think Rocky Lombardi at quarterback might be pretty similar to a Wildcat, <laughs> which actually transitions well into um, a more uh, straightforward question, if you will. Is there any chance at all we get a transfer quarterback? It's from... Uh, Jack William MSU Jack William um, that's a that's clever it's like sports center where they're using the same letter Jack William MSU Jack William SU um, Jack asks is there any chance at all we get a transfer quarterback no I don't I've been thinking about this and D'Antonio has talked um, about the transfer portal a lot lately you know it sort of became uh, one of those topics that 
would get lobbed at coaches around the country regardless of any sort of context. He's like, oh, coach, what do you think about the transfer portal? Uh, and D'Antonio talked about it a lot. Michigan State had a number of guys leave uh, through transfer this season. I think it was like five, I forget. A uh, handful of guys, and he talked about you know this it being a new reality, and you're going to have to acknowledge that people are going to leave there, and then also on the same hand kind of look at it as an avenue to replenish talent that leaves. It's not just recruiting. You got to, you know, someone's got to be watching the portal. So I'm, I was glad to hear that they're, you know, at least sort of aware of it and acknowledging the transfer portal's place in modern college football. That said, I would be a little surprised if they went after a transfer QB, um, you know, maybe a grad transfer type guy. It's just D'Antonio is very slow to hand the keys, so to speak, to anyone. It's why he kept his staff last year. It's why, you know, it, he, it takes him a while to sort of make a, a change at a big spot. You remember Andrew Maxwell had a whole season to sort of prove himself. It didn't go well. They were giving Connor Cook a look, and, and it looked like, you know, maybe this was the right direction. He has a bad game. And Maxwell is is right back in the mix at quarterback there, which we all know like that was not the correct call. Connor Cook should have started every or played every single snap that season in 2013. So I think at a spotlight quarterback, it would be really tough for D'Antonio to just bring somebody in as sort of a mercenary one year quarterback, like we've seen. You know, Oklahoma's really kind of done this well um another you know Brandon Wimbush was at UCF but that didn't sort of work out Kelly Bryant went from Clemson out to Missouri you know it's becoming something that I think we're going to see more and more and I just I have a hard time believing D'Antonio is going to have that much faith in that position that really important position over the guys that have been in the rooms he's someone who preaches loyalty um, a lot of people would say he's loyal to a fault, and that's just sort of the way he operates. So while I think they may, you know, they add Jade, added Jaden Reed at receiver, they may add uh, immediately eligible transfers this year, this offseason, or in the future. Um, certainly will, but I think could see more because of the transfer portal uh, picking up. I have a tough time seeing them going out, getting a quarterback, and immediately plugging him in even if there is kind of a a potential void at the position, which I'm actually going to talk about in the next segment here in just a minute. Another uh, question here sort of regarding a transfer quarterback, uh, asking about Jake Bentley, who um, is the South Carolina kid who's transferring, who played uh, a bit for them, kind of up and down, had some real potential, just didn't work out there. Um, lost the job and is now transferring, you know, really just echoing what I said uh, and sort of adding on to it. Why would Jake Bentley come to Michigan State at this point? You know, that's the thing. Um, Jalen Hurts hits the the so-called market. Kelly Bryant hits the market. There's going to be, you know, top quarterback prospects, former four, high four stars, former five-star guys who lost their job to someone better or just, you know, wasn't working out at that school that are going to hit the market and are going to be highly coveted. 
And I just don't know why they would look around at the environment and go, yeah, Michigan State's where I want to go play quarterback. Oh, Oklahoma. Nah, I don't want to. I don't want to go there and be the next Heisman candidate first round draft pick that Lincoln Riley develops. Um, you know, I just and then there are teams that are more ready, ready made to win right now. I think if you look at Michigan State and you're a potential quarterback, you go, you know, they're kind of struggling so far. Do I really want to go and be a quarterback, a bridge quarterback to someone else? And then, you know, again, just the the idea that D'Antonio takes a quarterback like that, you're losing two guys um, at least <laughs> to transfer. Um, Rocky Lombardi, I'm sure, is, is out of there, and Theo Day is potentially out of there as well. Um, and that's before the the competition. You know, so, someone's going to leave that quarterback room. It always happens, but you know, I don't. I just don't think it's it's D'Antonio's mo to to go that route. Braden Hanks asks, "How would Tim Stout know what bowl game we're going to before Sunday?" Uh, if you didn't see, uh, I'm sure a lot of you did, but if you didn't see Tim Stout, who is a uh, sports guy out in Lansing, longtime broadcaster out there, said that he was hearing from his sources within the program that the um, Pinstripe Bowl was going to be the bowl destination, uh, squaring off against Pitt. So I don't think Tim Stout actually knows. Um, I think he's just going off a feeling that he's, or what he's hearing from people within the program and what people within the program um, are getting are, are just sort of what they're feeling uh, at the time. I don't think anybody really quite knows yet because there are potentially some things up for grabs here depending on how the Big Ten championship game shakes out, how other conference championship games shake out, and then just bowls getting filled in from there. I do think it is the Pinstripe Bowl or the Quick Lane Bowl just based on the allotment and where Michigan State sits in the standings and where they've been in previous years. Uh, like, they're not going to go to the Red Box Bowl twice in a row, even though they have similar record as last year. Um, and I think a lot of uh, people have projected, people who do this for a living, have projected Michigan State and Pitt both a lot to the Pinstripe Bowl. And it just kind of, it all makes sense with Illinois losing uh, last week and ending up with the same record, you know, Who's gonna get first pick? If you're gonna, if you're a bowl, if you're the pinstripe bowl, and you're choosing between Illinois and Michigan State, it's not really a, a choice. You take Michigan State a uh, hundred times out of a hundred based on um, brand name recognition, fan base, um, alumni base, especially in uh, New York. So that's where all that's coming from. Uh, again, by time we talk again, we will know where Michigan State's playing. Um, but it does look like, unfortunately, for those of us that wanted to just mosey on down to Detroit for a bowl game, uh, Michigan State looks very likely headed to the Pinstripe Bowl. But we uh, we don't know for sure because they're not out yet. Um, here's another one from Bill G. Best and worst case scenarios for how long it'll take to rebuild. Best case scenario, uh, I think they they can be decent next year. I know everyone's really down um, on them and just think it's going to be a disaster of a season. And I don't blame you, um, I think. But, like, again, this is a best-case scenario. Uh, I I could see them it's within the realm of possibility that they could bounce back next year. There's a lot of young skill talent on offense, and they are losing guys on defense, but they have some pretty good guys waiting in the wings there. 
Um, the schedule is tough, but they have a lot more winnable or a lot more games at home that are tougher games. Um, so you could see them maybe getting by who knows with, you know, Michigan's replacing, I think nine starters too. So a lot of that stuff is really in flux right now. And Michigan state could have, um, you know, a potentially better offense, depending on if they make any changes on the offensive side of the ball, how that all plays out. It's really hard to know, but if they make a, let's say they get rid of some offensive staff, hire a new offensive coordinator and it works and it just sort of kind of clicks in and they become a competent offense to go with a pretty solid defense. Uh, I think you could feel pretty good about next season being okay. And then the, the future looking nice there. Worst case scenario, they kind of run it back. They go from six and six this season to three or four wins. Um, and then you're looking at a total rebuild and, and you never know with that. You got to make the right hire. You make a wrong hire <laughs> and it's taken years uh, and another hiring and who knows where you're at there. You could get stuck in a purgatory like Maryland or Nebraska kind of got stuck in a little purgatory there before they hired Scott Frost and they're still not out of it yet. So that can really, um, it could really take some time. Next question, more the merciless over under for 2020 wins. I bet it's set somewhere around five or six, if I had to guess. Um, just with, again, we talked about they do have a tough schedule. Um, somewhere somewhere in there, five and a half, six. Uh, the, the feeling isn't great around Michigan State. You know, it could even slip into the four and a half range as well. I could see it. Tough to know right now. You know, who knows? They they add a transfer QB and everyone's like, oh, hey, Michigan State, they might be okay. Uh, would it have been better for the program to have Lombardi and Day play against Rutgers in Maryland? Yes, it would have been better for the long-term future for that to play out to see sort of what you got there because that's the big question is what the hell is going to happen at quarterback next year? Uh, and it's just, I don't know, it, it, it's a tough spot. And we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, as the offseason wears on. But um, I'm just not overly in love with anything I've seen from the quarterback group. And it's too early. It's like an incomplete grade in school. I think, you know, Rocky still has a lot to prove. It's still probably his job to lose at this point because, uh, as we talked about earlier, that's kind of how things work with D'Antonio. Upperclassman gets the shot. And then you go from there, and we just haven't seen Theo Day on the field almost at all. Um, he went on for a series, called the wrong play against Penn State, got yanked out. So that's not a promising start, but I would have loved to see him get a shot, and we'll see if bull practices or anything start to bear out any information as it regards to that. And then who knows with, with the freshman, with Peyton Thorne and Noah Kim, uh, obviously you don't expect much from Kim uh, here for a while because he's uh, an incoming freshman. Uh, but yeah, probably would have been better for the young guys, young quarterback to play uh, against Maryland and Rutgers at some point. It would be great if one of those guys could uh, get into the bowl game as well, although certainly uh, not counting on that ha uh, happening. Uh, one more here. From John Arrowsmith, what OCDC candidates are you interested in if MSU doubtfully, he puts in parentheses, let's theirs go. Um, I don't really know about defensive coordinator. Honestly, I haven't looked uh, a ton into it at all. And I really 
haven't looked into the cycle of who could be the next kind of OC guys yet this season. I did that a lot last year, and it ended up being <laughs> all for naught. Um, how I'm approaching this right now is I'm kind of waiting. Uh, and I had someone else ask me this last week or something like that. Like, well, we keep talking about replacing the staff. Who are some names? You know, who, what are some solutions? Um, and we just, I don't know. It's tough to know right now with Michigan state. Is D'Antonio going to be there? Is he going to get rid of just a couple staff members? Because, you know, I'm not going to be able to <laughs> provide any information on and a potential offensive line coach or <laughs> someone to coach the receivers. Um, but in terms of offensive coordinator candidates, we will get into that at some point, probably next week, honestly, as we start to get into a little bit of a lull with the basketball non-conference. And we could potentially hear from D'Antonio. You know, I will say they're out recruiting right now. If you've been on Twitter, if you follow that sort of stuff, if you haven't, Michigan State, uh, all the coaches really around the country, the the week after the regular season ends, they hit the road hard. uh, And they go see all their recruits that are committed, and they go visit some other players. They visit 2021 players. Like, everyone is all over the place recruiting. Uh, and everyone's, uh, I've seen everyone out there, Jim Bowman's out there, Staten's out there, Dave Warner, Brad Salem, uh, Paul Haynes, Don Treadwell, D'Antonio, everyone is, is out there recruiting. So, you know, it's still, it's December 5th as I sit here and record this, uh, all signs point to nothing changing. Uh, a lot of programs around the country have already made changes. They've, you know, coaches have retired, coaches have been fired. Um, coordinators have been fired, assistants have been fired, and on down the line. And so, you know, I, I just have a, the deeper we get into this, the the more I think that not much is going to uh, be changing this year. Maybe some assistants get swapped out, but we'll see. And if, uh, you know, I will get back to you guys next week with some people that I would like to see uh, in terms of offensive coordinator, if that were to open up, but it's just tough because, I, I really, I struggle to see it happening. Um, you know, it, it sort of changes every week with this program. It's really tough to get a read on what they're going to be doing. Uh, but it looks like D'Antonio's coming back for sure. Uh, and it looks like, uh, as of right now, he's pretty inclined to bring his staff back with him uh, as well. Oh, I lied. One more. Uh, this one is from... Verbose Dutch on Twitter. What players should I watch out for in the bowl game? Looking forward to 2020. So, good question. Uh, I don't think we're going to see anybody at quarterback. Um, aside from Lewerke, I would say, obviously, that position, if it were to be something that is going to open up, but I don't foresee that. Um, if you didn't, I will say that. If you didn't watch Trey Mosley closely, um, the last couple of weeks here, do that. Um, that's a guy that is going to, by the looks of it, play a big role on this team moving forward as a receiver. Had a nice game, caught eight passes uh, against Maryland, and a lot of people are saying a lot of really good things about him. So, yeah, he's been playing a bit. You know him. You've probably heard his name. But, yeah, Trey Mosley is someone who could have a nice bowl game uh, and sort of propel him into – his uh, sophomore year. Uh, other guys that haven't played as much, 
that are maybe some different names that are going to be stepping into bigger roles potentially. Uh, I look right at the defensive tackles uh, with Raekwon Williams and Mike Panashuk both being gone next year. Naquan Jones and Jacob Slade are going to step into those starting roles. Uh, and we might even see Drew Beasley a little bit. He works at the end. Um, he's someone you could potentially uh, catch a look at who's flashed a bit and is going to be stepping into a bigger role with uh, Willikis going out. Potentially it could be Drew Beasley's job there. But definitely watch Slade 64 and Naquan Jones 93. They've seen reserve work uh, this year, but their their snaps are going to be ticking up in a big way next year. Um, and so they're both good players. If you want to get an idea of what the uh, the front will look like for Michigan State next year, check them out. Um, maybe we see a little bit of Chase Klein if we do um, pay attention to him. He's a number 21 uh, redshirt freshman linebacker, big kid, um, kind of crazy all over the place type linebacker, I think is going to be someone who starts next year with Tyreek Thompson leaving, with Joe Bocci leaving. Uh, there's going to be snaps up for grab at linebacker. And Chase Klein, you could see him working a little bit. Same with Jess Lord Boateng. Um, those are a couple of guys there at linebacker that you might want to look out for. Um, see if Dom Long is playing much at safety or nickel. Trey Person's been doing it as well. You know, David Dowell has to get replaced um, at the uh, at the, the free safety spot. Um you know, and even Michael Dowell's worked in a little bit too there. That'll be something where I don't think we'll see much of them um, because Michigan State isn't really a play for the future type thing. And as long as David Dowell there is there, he's going to play pretty much every single snap. But on nickel packages, uh, see who works in there as the additional defensive back, who plays some additional safety uh, if you want to, you know, get uh, get a, a pre-glimpse at who could be taking over for Dowell uh, at free safety next season. All right, <clears throat> excuse me. We are going to um, bring in Matt, and we're going to talk about Michigan State playing against Rutgers uh, this Sunday. All right, we are bringing in Matt Sheehan now. This is all a, a pre-recorded jumbled mess. Matt, you don't – well, I guess you're, you'll know this now, but this is segment uh, three of today. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it pushed it to the end. Nice. So save the, uh, the proverbial best for last, if you will. Sure. Yeah, Matt, that's a nice uh, way of putting it. <laughs> Matt's on a hard time cap here, so we're going to jump right into it. Um, Michigan State's playing Rutgers on Sunday uh, at the Breslin Center. Ken Palm has this as a 90% chance of Michigan State victory. 78-64 to 64 is the projected margin. What do we want to see from this? Rutgers is an okay team, 76 in Ken Palm. You know, yeah, they can play a little bit and defend a little bit. Offense, they're just kind of meh. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see? What's the big thing you're really looking for? A bloodbath. <laughs> Blood carnage. Yes. Just the streets of East Lansing running red. That, that's what I want to see. Yeah. Um, I, no, I, it's a lot of it's just what we talked about yesterday. Maybe I should caveat this. Get themselves in a spot where they can. Uh, do some things. So yeah, like in a way, I just I just want to see no stress. Mm-hmm. That's all I want to see. Like just get up to like a 10, 15 point lead so you can like try these things we were talking about yesterday, try these different lineups and whatnot. So yeah, I guess that's it's the boring answer, but sometimes the answer is just boring, you know? Like I just want to see some stress-free basketball and some experimentation as we venture forward into the season. So Yeah, it's yeah. it's tough because it's a conference game. 
mm-hmm. and you know Rutgers isn't great and North, but they've been worse. Yeah, yeah, they, they were better last season. I think I don't know how they finished, but they were like fiftieth or something in Ken Palm. They ended mm-hmm. up seventy eighth, but they were like, um, um, sorry, oh no, I guess I was wrong, eighty fifth. Um, you know, I think it was two years ago is when they were okay. Maybe two years ago. Um, yeah. either way, you know, you know what it was. Last year they had a really good defense. They were like fifteenth in Ken Palm defense when they played oh, good for the them. first time, and it was that game where hang that banner. It nice. was the game where. They had a nice start to the season. They beat Miami, uh, Florida, mm-hmm. Miami, and Michigan State was going to the rack, and it was like a sellout. And it yeah. was like, uh-oh, Rutgers might have something for you, but Michigan State won that game by 11. Um, anyway, that was a weird tangent. Uh, you know, it's a solid Rutgers team. It's not – sure. not you know Solid for Rutgers, solid, I guess. Exactly. Solid for yeah. Rutgers. They're not 150th in the country. They're not – terrible they're not as bad as even ucla uh the team michigan state played at the end of maui they're kind of similar to georgia um maybe it's like oh so they have anthony edwards on their team good yeah it's like 34 in the second half great yeah they're similar to georgia they don't have anthony edwards um i mean they have geo baker and jacob young i guess is is playing well for them um but it's a team that michigan state should absolutely handle so it's tough though because, like I said, it's a conference game, and so you got Rutgers mm-hmm. and Northwestern as these early conference games, two teams you should easily handle. But do you want to experiment? Do you want to mess around with stuff? Like at this point in a conference game, I'm not. If sh- you can, <laughs> I would. I would love for them to do it. I'm like we're kind of totally in agreement with them. I would almost. I want to see it like <laughs> more so though. I, I know I'm not going to. I'm no. I'm, I'm not going to see a, a one big lineup some at some point in the first half. Um, but I would love to see them try some different things out in this game. Uh, and if not this game, Oakland, Eastern uh, Michigan, and Western Michigan, three of their next four. Um, yeah, I, I just. I want to. I want to see a bloodbath too. But I want to see them trying to work out the kinks instead of just like, we're just going to keep grinding at this because it's clear that something is just sort of off structurally. Yeah. Yeah. But Hey, I mean, this is a uh, ironing season. This is, this is where you wrinkle them all out and no one's better at it than Tom Izzo. So <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, listen, I'm just trying to really not be nervous for this game because honestly, we really shouldn't be, but man, it's like at the back of the head, like, Oh boy, we just laid kind of a big old lag uh, against Duke. So it's hard to shake that from the old memory bank. Yeah. Duke's a little better than Rutgers. You think so? A little bit. Um, a right. little bit less fanfare associated with this game. A little bit more uh, business-like, if you will. It's, yeah. It's, you know, it's a business trip. Um, I want to see them play better defensively, too. Um, sure. They haven't been nearly good enough uh, on the glass, and that's something where I know rebounding is an effort thing uh, to some extent. There's also certainly mm-hmm. a skill to it, um, and just for whatever reason, it's not clicking like it should with a Tom Izzo team, and everyone likes to <laughs> get out the football pads and war drill it. Yeah, we'll right. see if they need to get to that point, but I would like to see them kind of just snuff out a Rutgers team that is a, a pretty good offensive rebounding team. It'll be another good test, just like Duke was, uh, of Michigan State in the defensive glass, and I'd, I'd like to see that 
you know, if there's one sort of statistical thing defensively, I want to see is them controlling uh, the rebounding game because, you know, they're, they're following a little bit too much right now. They don't turn over the opponents. They never have under Tom Izzo turned opponents over. Um, but one thing that they you can always count, a, count on is a top 30 team in terms of rebounding percentage, and they're 109th right now. And that's got to yeah. get better. Uh, it I feel like we're does. two games away from a nice war drill. <laughs> yeah. Maybe two, definitely three. Definitely three. So Yeah, although they were 90, wow, they were 91st last season. I thought they turned that thing around. They have not. You know what? Hmm. 2016, they were a good rebounding team. Defensively, rebounding percentage, Michigan State, 85th in the country in 2018, 91st last year, uh, 109th this year, and 70, sorry, 76th in 2018, 85th in 2017. They haven't been a good defensive rebounding team in a long time. <laughs> gotcha. Um, do you know a number I do like, wow. though? What? Ruckers from behind the arc. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh it is like they are fielding uh, <laughs> four me's and one Ben Wallace out there. They are shooting 27.4% from three, which is good for, drumroll please, 327th in the nation. That is... 327th? I got 300th. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me calculate the number. Still not good. No. Wherever, wherever you lie <laughs> in between 300 and 327, uh, not no. great. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I do like that number because, like, I don't know. Whenever we have these matchups, you know, like Virginia Tech, where it's like, yeah, we could beat this team. We probably should beat this team. Absolutely. Like, the first thing I think because I'm so so triggered still from the middle Tennessee state game. I always go straight to three point percentage of like, well, this team could get hot. I don't know. I don't know if our Scarlet Knights will be getting hot here uh, Um, Sunday. So it's funny. So we know geo Baker, geo Baker is a junior. No, that's just not true. He's been there for nine years. I know. He's been there since the inception of Rutgers in the big 10. Are you kidding? How is he a junior? That, That is impossible. Geo Baker's a junior. Um, he's taken 47 threes in eight games and is Good shooting a crisp 27.7%. Oh my here's, God. Here's, okay. Whew. Here's my, my favorite part of that though. He's shooting 85% from the free throw line. I know. All right. And 67% from two. <laughs> Geo, the answer to the, the test the floor and drive it to the hole man <laughs> the Come on. answer to the test is right in front of you stop shooting the three ball <laughs> like, oh my god get in the cockpit and let's drive baby come on what you are, are you doing here a six foot four player who is insanely efficient from two and the free throw line why are you ever all right well let's hope threes? he's got one more of those games in him before he plays the way he should play yeah so, no i right. i don't think he's ever uh excuse me ever gonna figure it out because that's been something with him uh, forever. Although he shot thirty six percent from two last year, so maybe. I love it. That's it's like, it's like when you play pickup basketball and like your entire team's like five foot eleven, but you get this one kid that's like six seven. And it's like oh great, but he just insists on shooting threes the entire game. It's like you have this great skill set, man. Can we like use it? No, 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 yeah. no, no. I'm just gonna float outside here and just jay it up from behind the arc. So yeah, sorry guys. He respect it. He is a mystifying player. He should be so much better. Um, so yeah, we just want to see Michigan state play well, try some new things if they're able to and and win comfortably. Um, please Matt, do you know what we're going to know next time? And I know you got to go, you know, what we're going to know next time we talk. (sighs) 
Yeah, I do know. It's. I think it's going to break my heart. Yeah. Any thoughts? The quick lane bowl any, versus pinstripe bowl. Any thoughts here? Any parting thoughts on the quick lanes versus pinstripe bowl? Do you have a plea to the quick lanes bowl selection? Quick committee? lane, if you're hearing me, if please, if you're hearing me, I think we can convince enough state fans to make this worth everyone's time. Now, this might have to come to MSU too, because I don't know if they necessarily want to just take a bus down to Detroit as opposed to going on somewhat of a vacation to New York City. But, uh, oh man, I don't know. Have you been to American Coney Island? I, I, I guess that's my only pitch. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm bummed at the realization that we're going to the, the quick, I mean, the, the pinstripe bowl over the quickling bowl is settling in. So Yeah, I think so too, but we'll know for sure. All right. Sunday. Matt, thanks so much for making some time. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to react to this Michigan State game against Rutgers. Uh, we'll talk about the bowl selection because we will know where Michigan State uh, is headed and any other college football, college basketball type news that is relevant uh, to our show. So thanks so much for joining us this week on Locked on Spartans. Reminder to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast wherever you can find podcasts. You can find Locked on Spartans. Matt, take us into the weekend. Quick lane bowl, I beg you, I beg you, please, I'll pay you money, every single one of you money, I'll buy all the tickets, I won't buy all the tickets, I'll buy like two or three tickets, but please, please.